0: Hello and welcome to the Development Debrief with Catherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. This week, I talk with Dee Robinson about coaching, her training course, True Leadership, and her personal opinions on diversity and potential. Dee says we have got to expand the field of qualified leaders in order to get more women. Dee is passionate and experienced on her views of leadership within our field. Dr. Deborah D. Robinson has developed the True Leadership Path Project to provide training in becoming a TRUE leader, an online program and network of women leaders. It is designed to meet the need for focused training specifically for women to support their success in becoming strategic and ethical leaders. True leaders create values-based cultures to support innovative and creative work, attract and retain diverse and high-performing talent, which results in increased revenues and employee retention and satisfaction. Prior to founding C&D Associates, Dr. Robinson has 30 years of senior leadership experience, including as Vice President for Development at the University of Cincinnati Foundation, where the team raised over $1.2 billion in support of the university's priorities. Dr. Robinson began her career at the Geisel School of Medicine at Dartmouth College and has led programs at UT Arlington, Radford University, Florida Atlantic University, and Vermont Law School. She holds a PhD and master's in higher education leadership, strategic leadership from Florida Atlantic University. Her work and research focus on strategic leadership in the field of higher education, specifically in leading change, effective strategic planning, and leading high-performing teams. Now let's get started and hear what Dee has to say. Hi Dee, welcome to the podcast. Hi Katherine, great to be here. You are talking to us from Vermont on this beautiful morning? I am from what is
1: called the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. So I'm up near the Canadian border on a lovely, pristine
0: lake. I'm happy to be here. Nice to be able to work from wherever I want to work. As many things are on the development debrief, Craig introduced us. Craig Smith, who's a popular guest and who's spoken at our event last May. And so when he said that I simply had to have you on, I knew not to ask any questions. (laughs) When we started talking, it just became so apparent that you have a real passion for both leadership and diversity in the profession. So today we're going to have a conversation on those two pretty big topics. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this very much. Great. I want to start first with the Course that you've developed that I know is evolving. It is called True Leadership Path. Tell us about how this started and where you are with it now.
1: Oh, I'm happy to do that. The True Leadership Path project really stems from my inability to find something like this in the field for the people that worked for me. I did my graduate PhD work in strategic leadership particularly in higher education. And I was really looking for a program or some way to help the middle man. It was really, I hate to call people middle managers, but it was the middle managers that worked with me who were great at managing, but needed to make that transition from management to leadership. Quick example, how do you get feedback, right? How do you give really productive, good feedback I've worked for bosses who are awful at that. They've been VPs for 30 years. They're terrible at giving feedback. So if you can learn that early in your career, as well as refine that later in your career, I, I just see it as a win-win for everybody. you know. And I've niched this marketing of this program to women right now, but I've effectively used a lot of the things that I teach and train on
0: with men as well. So it's-, it's kind What of, made you decide to focus on women?
1: Well, we know the reality of women in leadership, not just in our profession, but nationally in all across all different kinds of businesses and not-for-profits. As women, and I'll speak to all the women that are listening to this, we wait until we believe we have perfected everything and we've learned everything we need to know before we apply for that next job or before we reach out. Men don't do that. They're like, yeah, I kind of got this and I'm going to try. And it's an inherent risk taking difference. So if I can provide a foundation and a base where women will feel more confident in their leadership skills and can talk about some of these concepts, I think it's a win-win because we've got to expand the pool of qualified leaders Mm -hmm. in order to get more women. Right now, this is online. It is online. It's an online program. It's I've designed it. As a self-paced class or course for you, it's eight modules and there's six to eight lessons in each module. They're not long. What I do is introduce a concept, give you an example, usually an exercise that you can do for yourself and provide resources as to where that really can go much deeper if you want to. True is an acronym for trust, responsibility, unrelenting enthusiasm, which I think are the four pillars of effective Good leaders, great leaders.
0: So, you've told us a big part of this is developing yourself professionally for the people who are in the program. But then you had also talked about providing resources for these participants to develop high performing teams. Mm-hmm. Are these one in the same, or do you think you have to do one before the other?
1: What are your no, thoughts think, there? No, no, you, I think you, this is a great point. Good, really good question. I think. My opinion is you can do both at the same time, particularly for fundraising and advancement shops. Very often, the only path to grow in responsibility and salaries is to take on leading employees. Well, there's a great catch-22 there that I found when I was starting out, which was, well, how do I get experience to co, you know, to lead when you, you know, you just get stuck in this in-between stage. So I think, you know, going in and really pitching your potential, your ability to lead a team, but, you know, the core concepts of leading high-performing team are the same concepts you're going to use in being a high-performing individual. So the strategies, your values, what are your, what are your core values? You have to start with yourself. We have a tendency, it's interesting, I interview a woman in the, in the course who went from a janitor, being a janitor at a hospital to being the CEO of the system of the hospital. She's amazing. Her name is Lily Biggins. What a story. Yeah, and and we talk about her path and her story, but but Lily's takeaway from all this is, is that you're so focused on what's next, you're not paying attention to where you are. As a leader, I paid attention to the people that were knocking it out of the park with their own jobs. And it didn't matter whether you were in gift processing or you were in major gifts, but if you were doing a great job, that was the first thing. Volunteer for things that are outside your scope of work.
0: Yeah, that's so, a good
1: one. You know what I mean? When, so as a major gift officer, when it came time for alumni events or something was going on, I was the first to show up and say, what do you need help with? I know that I saw other members of my team collaborating and helping each other. So I noticed that. The other thing, the last, and I thought about this the other day, was as a leader, I would ask for feedback all the time. What do you think? Send me some ideas. And it would be crickets. Nobody would send me anything. So get brave and send an idea. You know, we've got this issue. We've got, you know, we've got, but I was a leader who always asked for other people's ideas. Some of the best ideas I got were from the people that were working in accounting. Who saw kind of the trips, tripwires, and things that were causing people angst and things that weren't coming in routinely the way. Mm-hmm. And any leader will tell any leader that I've worked with that I think is an, a, a true leader or really an excellent leader of advancement shops or operations really genuinely wants to hear what people have to say.
0: So as you've worked with women, I would love to just hear a success story or two that you've enjoyed. With your work?
1: I had a, a woman who worked for me and, and actually ended up with more than one one who were very much introverts in their personalities. They weren't the, what we define as a typical effective leader extroverts. You know, once you get into this and really study it, you understand those are not necessarily the best leaders because the skill set for effective- They I mean, look leaders, like they are, but- Maybe They look like they are, and you know, this is one of my soapboxes we need to get to, (laughs) and diversification in the field, but what looks like the right leadership style, in reality today, you need people who can build bridges, who can work behind the scenes, who can really help move initiatives forward. We're seeing that in a new form of political stuff. I mean, it's happening around us if we pay attention. So anyway, back to this wonderful woman who worked with me she was struggling. She was struggling in the group. Of course, I had 16 direct reports at the time. And oh my gosh, that's yeah, they were all senior development officers. And we met once a month and I would see her struggle in those group meetings. The reaction was more of a defensive response than helping moving things forward. So we, we had a real heart to heart. And I really asked her to, you know, one of the things we did was we provided a training opportunity every year for everybody. So a conference, something and I said to her, I said, I don't think you need to go to a conference. I really want you to look and see if there's something that will help you be more effective in this group setting because you're more of an introvert than you and are, are an extrovert. So there's some different skills. And we ended up with an emotional intelligence training with her. It was incredible to see the change in her because she got some outside coaching I was on the other side saying, okay, here's an opportunity for you to step up a little bit and get outside your comfort zone. There's a public presentation. I think you ought to give that award instead of just handing it all the time to somebody else. And I mean, she almost had a meltdown. She's just like, I don't think I can do that, but she did it. And I, you know, and I coached her and said, okay, let's write it down, take the paper, you know take the card with you. Let's, so, you know, as we say, It's about finding what works for each person individually. What is the right fit? That would have not been the right opportunity or training for one of my other leaders. For me, I believe that my success in leading and helping this team was in my commitment to their individual success, Mm
0: -hmm. not
1: just the team success. And what I can say is she's gone on to a much bigger job at another institution and is leading and she's funny. She was there about six months and she sent me a note and said, okay, now I understand why you did all that you did. Oh, that so must fun.
0: be rewarding. To it hear. is.
1: It is. And cause she didn't quite trust
0: me sometimes. Sometimes she'd say, I don't think that's quite right. Dee. That's so great for you to see all of that work that you did to pay off mm-hmm. long-term. Yep. Long-term. So one of the things you're doing that I think is just so cool is you're working with your niece you've brought her into this, to the path project. And I'm sure with the pandemic, the last year and a half, you probably haven't been doing things as you'd you'd like. But going into the fall, I'd love for you to talk to us about how you're working with her and how different generations can push and pull one another in the work.
1: Great great question. And I'm excited to talk about Cassidy. her, Her name's Cassidy Robinson. Cassidy is a bright, Brave soul. I think the best way to describe Cassidy is that sixteen, she got her mother put her on a plane in Boston, and she went to the Amazon and to the Galapagos, and and she loves roller coasters. She she hikes fourteen thousand foot peaks. She skis in avalanche territory. Oh my gosh! she's just this brave, brave soul who wants to do really profound work with women. That's her dream. She went to an all women's college. She went to Mount Holyoke College. And she just sees that as part of her passion. And I've known that about her. So when I was starting this program, I knew I could do the content. But I also know I'm at the tail end of my career. I'm a different generation. I am 30 years removed from where she is in her career. I really felt like one of the things that needed to happen with True, with the leadership path, was a fresh look from multiple views, from multiple use, not just mine, not just my take, but her generation coming up through. And so she's, yeah, I mean, it was interesting because she sent me a note one day and said, I want to talk to you about going to work for a startup because she just finished her MBA at the University of Denver and she's an international business walk. And I said, well, how about on D's startup? <laughs> you know, what about working with me? She went, tell me about it. So we, we sat down, we talked through it. I t- you know, I said, these are the risks never done this before. So we're learning together, but she brings a very different viewpoint and a desire to contribute and be part of the growth of the company. We're talking about what course she's going to develop. She's done a ton of international travel. She was um, an emissary with the U.S. State Department to Kosovo around women's athletics when she was in college. So she's got this really interesting background that I think you know, helping women to be brave, particularly people, you know, of her age and her generation is great. So she's doing the website, she's doing the things that I don't know how to do and would take a long time for me to figure out. So it's a great partnership. And I'm going to take her out on the road with me in Colorado in September and put her on a stage and nudge her her out of her comfort zone a little
0: bit. And she's excited. She's excited. and, And we're excited to work together. I think there is so much power in putting those two perspectives together. Oh, together,
1: you. Me too. And, and to me, excite, some of that excitement is in the unknown. Mm-hmm. It's not knowing where it's going to go and being willing to just kind of go with it and see, see what happens.
0: So, very yeah, much- so if you go to Dee's website and you see two Robinsons, it's not her daughter, it's her niece, <laughs> my niece. Cassidy my niece. Robinson, MBA. Yeah,
1: I have a son who is a women's soccer coach, division oh. one soccer coach. So Cassidy, we grew up in the same town, he and he and Cassidy grew up in the same town. So she's very much been like a daughter to me because mm-hmm. I, I only had a son. But now I have an amazing daughter-in-law who's kind of rocking the boat. So we love, <laughs> we love Alexis and what she's doing too.
0: Oh, that's so nice. So let's move into a little bit more of the diversity conversation, which is part of the leadership conversation, certainly, but a slightly different bend. We talked about diversity, and one of the first things you said to me was that you've seen very little change visually, racially, on the outset amongst our field. And you've talked about looking at conference audiences and I just would love to start there and talk about why you think that is and what your viewpoint is on that.
1: You know, I started in this business 30 years ago and
0: I remember one of the first conferences
1: I went to, which was a case conference, district conference. There was two people of color in the room out of hundreds of people. And it just kind of struck me between the eyes. I mean, it was just like, oh my, what's going on here? And it was also at that point, all male VPs, white male VPs, that's all there was. And it was about six years from then before I saw Carrie Pelzel at Dartmouth take that role on. And it was great to see a woman step into that role, but there was just very few. And so I've been actively engaged throughout my career to help recruit, retain, and really diversify where I was. And it was recently within the last two years that I went to a big case conference again and walked in the room and was like, oh, my Lord, nothing has changed. It was still predominant. I mean, ninety nine percent, ninety five percent white. If there was no leaders of color and there was now more women, I think we've done we've we've made the strides and steps in women. Um, And I remember the first vice president's job I got, I heard from women all over the country saying, oh my God, you broke a ceiling, great, we're so excited, thank you. Um, And I'm like, yeah, but keep going because we need more. And I did a recent, very quick statistical study review of the case 50, what I consider case 50, the top 50 programs and the power five athletic conferences Mm -hmm. and went through and said, okay, Are there women at the top? Who's at the top of each of these fundraising organizations? 40% of them are now women. That's a huge change. That's a huge change. There were only three, which was about 2.5% leaders of color. We have not made that move. And so, you know, I've talked about this throughout my career as really this being a pillar of the work and the legacy I want to leave is how do I help make this change? And I know the first thing we have to do is we have to talk about it and we have to be honest about where we are. The last gentleman I recruited before I left the University of Cincinnati was in a class that I did a host. I went into a PhD class and did a host class around fundraising and higher education. An African-American gentleman who was in enrollment management and he, he, he reached out after thanked me for being in the, you know, for coming to the class, did not understand what this profession was, didn't understand how it was a a potential thing that he could do. And I said, well, let's have coffee. Let's talk about that. And to me, that's where it starts. It's in recognizing potential, it's in recognizing and being intentional in
0: looking other places than you've always looked. You know, what you're saying is if you're only looking for experience, you're only gonna continue to see the same background we've always seen. So we have to break out of that mindset And look at potential to open doors that have not previously been open. Is that what you're saying?
1: It is what I'm saying. And I'm also saying stop doing things the way you've always done them.
0: That I had a goal
1: to identify, cultivate, and recruit diverse talent. I put that in my goal every year. And that was important. That's great. And I had metrics around that. And it wasn't so many people of color, it was where was I sourcing talent? Where was I looking? Was
0: I doing so? I think all it's all kinds of diversity, right? Age, right. gender, geographic, racial. But,
1: yeah. I mean, if you looked at religion,
0: if you Believe looked
1: me. at my 16 directors, senior directors at Cincinnati, no two were alike. And you couldn't just say, "I'm looking for somebody with five to seven years of experience who've raised, you know, gifts at a hundred thousand and above in higher education," and get anything different.
0: And you know, as I'm thinking about the talent acquisition versus HR, it makes me realize that those talent acquisition roles really are for recruiters. You're looking for a recruiter type who's building a relationship, presenting an opportunity, et cetera, and.
1: Yeah, and I hate hate the word acquisition. It's a term that I think needs to go out of our our world because we don't acquire people. And I spend a lot of time listening to other talent areas like medical, in the medical field, what's going on with them, with doctors and nurses and all of this. Employers held all the cards. Employees now hold them.
0: Yeah, that's changing.
1: And if we give it up, shame on us. We should not be giving up that power that we have now acquired.
0: What were other concrete things that you did to accomplish this goal of recruiting diversity and and retaining diversity? Retention to me, I, I think I'll start with retention, but retention. well, And I will just say I included that because I think so often people think, oh, let me hire diversity and that box is checked. But that's literally, in my opinion, that's step one is hiring them. Right. And then having a culture where there's comfort to be part of it is step two, which is the retention. So anyway, sorry. And I
1: think the retention piece is harder. Let me say that and tell you why. I think retention is harder because you are pushing against the culture of the organization. As a leader, are you brave enough? And are you willing to take the risk to call out the culture and change it? It's those hard conversations. Why are you excluding that person? It was like, uh, help me understand the thinking. Being willing to pay attention as a leader to the cues and to, to the things that are going on within the culture. So, okay, so retention is supporting the culture, helping others within that culture to see, to be aware, to be willing to address what's going on. But the different ways in in recruiting, simple example, and you can talk with Birgit at the African-American Development Officer Conference, I was the only vice president that would go to that conference.
0: Wow. So I had her on. I had her on about a year ago, and she told us about her program, and that was amazing. So you attended that as, do, do they call you an ally or...
1: But well, back then, I just registered as an attendee and I would show up. And what, wow. what was amazing for me as a leader was that I heard conversations I didn't hear.
0: Right. right. Why would you have?
1: Well, a they're the boss. Minority. And I'm now in a place where I'm the minority, I'm sitting in a different seat. That was also for my own education. It, I felt it was important for me to understand issues and understand discussions. What? How did you meet Birgit? Are you two friends or former colleagues? He was advertising the conference. I'm looking for diverse talent. And I went, hmm, maybe I need to go to this. And I remember yes. calling, her, calling her years ago and saying, can I belong to this group? Can I come to the conference? I'm white. She said, absolutely. <laughs> I said, okay really, really um, important.
0: So where do you think we're going? I mean, do you think we're moving in a direction of change, but it's just really slow? Do you think we aren't moving even enough to be able to say that? What are your thoughts there? It, we're not
1: moving fast enough, in my opinion, but we are moving. And the change has to be at other, in other places too. It's not just, our, it's not just us. Our boards are very non-diverse and they get short-term results. They don't get long-term. I think, you know, that's the other thing is how do we better educate our boards? And so that's also a a place of of major change. You know, we just need more people. And I hope that people, particularly people early in their careers, will bring this along with them and demand it. And when pools come in and you're, if you're on a search committee, and that was another way that I was looking to identify new leaders, I'd put, I'd bring people into search committees and watch what they, how they evaluate, what are they looking for? Speaking up when the pool is not diverse, simple example, I'm looking for an executive assistant. I get the pool. It's all women. I called HR. I said, it's not diverse. Yes, it is. I said, how do you know it's diverse? Well, there's, you know, these two women that have these names. I said, okay, let's stop there. Thank you for that piece of information. But let's be clear, there's not a man in this pool. It happens the other way too.
0: Dee, you've made some really great points about the the importance of diversification and the things that you've done. But what can our listeners, what would your advice be for our listeners to join your passion to changing that and and getting more diversity in their workplace.
1: I think you have to find like-minded souls. I think you have to talk about this. You have to get a little brave, not in any, not in any accusatory way, but ask questions. When a candidate pool comes in, you're on a search committee, I'd love to have people on search committee, ask the question, this isn't really diverse. Is there a way to diversify this? Is Not saying you can't pick a diverse pool. Just saying, how can I help make this better? It's going to be a long road. And look at your network. Who are your friends? If your friends all look like you, you don't even have a diverse network. Start with yourself. Who are you spending time with personally and professionally? And there's lots of opportunities, particularly in higher education. There's a ton of opportunities to expand your network.
0: Yes. Someone had said, look at your LinkedIn feed, start with In some ways it may be easiest to start online, to gain you. some diversity with your mental and your online feeds, you know,
1: it's, and that's a great suggestion. And, and I think it's absolutely something you can do something about. You can reach out, mm-hmm. you can ask to, you know, to fo- follow different diverse organizations yeah. and groups and businesses. It begins with you and it's it's about being part of the change you wanna see
0: mm-hmm.
1: and getting it. You gotta get, got get it. You gotta get it. You just, just gotta say, okay, what can I do to help?
0: Well, this has been such a great conversation. And while I'm sure we could go on, I would love to end with my signature question, which is what do you know for sure?
1: What I know for sure is that if you are not willing to take a risk you will never know how far you can go. You've got to get brave. What's holding you back? Why are you hesitating? And what's the worst thing that can happen? I love that. Thank you. Take the risk. Take the risk. Then you'll know how far you can go. And thank you for spending time with me and for listening and for being leader that you are in these conversations, I am so happy to meet you and get to know you better and know this group better. So thank you.
0: Thank you. I was so thrilled to learn that Dee has worked with Birgit Burton, another guest of the podcast. I had no idea. If you want to learn more about Birgit, check out her episode, which dropped on June 7th of 2020. On another note, If you haven't checked out The Chair on Netflix, I highly recommend it. The show chronicles the life of faculty at an elite university, and my network is loving it. Please connect with us on Instagram at devdebrief or on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you have a great week.